I wanted to start this episode, episode 108, by saying you're getting treated to a classic episode of Royal Miles Jr., The Ghetto to Pedal, From Oakland to Hoodland, that was recorded, that dropped back in July of 2021. And uh, things have been crazy hectic. I'll be giving updates soon. Um, make sure to follow next week. Hopefully, if schedules and the lords and the dragons above agree, then we'll have the last nerd out of the year. And then after that, it will be the last relatives of the year. So, yeah, let's get started. Hola, and welcome to episode 37 of Word to Your Mama. We took a break, kids, a much-deserved break. We took uh, a road trip. We were safe. Saw loved ones we haven't seen since January 2020. Um, I had a, a, a little bit of a health scare, but I'm happy to report that it was benign and I do not have cancer. Um, I talk about a little bit way more in depth when you listen to the next um, relatives episode, which I believe is after this one. I got to look at my my planning, but we're back in full effect. It's a much needed break and we're ready to roll. Today's episode has Roy Miles, a.k.a. the Ghetto Geppetto. I met Roy a long time ago in the beginning of my journey within the designer toy scene, I guess, the the vinyl, designer vinyl scene um, that I met a lot of some of like people I definitely consider family. So we recorded this in June, early June, I believe. And then, you know, I had it. We took the break and I took the road trip on the road trip. I was up in the in the in Sonoma County and then I took a day trip down to the the Bay Area and I got to break bread with Roy and Jesse Hernandez who we will be having on um in a future episode and a future uh, episode 13 guest now now Jerome and Marib who I talk about all the time Aaron Marib Marib Aaron and it was fantastic um, we were at Nito's backyard, I believe it. It was in Oakland. I mean, we Oakland it up and the food was amazing. We weren't even sure if it was going to be good. Jesse and I were like, mm, I don't know. They had like birria, um, quesadillas and stuff. We're like, usually nah, people hype up stuff like that, but no, they, it was deluge. It was really great. So we record this in June and then we were able to see each other in person because everybody was safe and vaccinated and it was outdoors and we got to break bread and it was fantastic. But Roy Miles, he's a storyteller, black and Mexican, born and raised, still living in Oakland. We talk about um, the year of truth and discovery, as you called it, and also his trip to China in the beginning of his toy vinyl journey uh, to peep game as he called it and his experience going to the toy factories also uh, we have questions and comments from episode 13 word to your mama guest now now jerome and also by Dell, the funky homo sapien who they've known each other since uh high school so yeah 
You're in for a treat. We have good times, lots of laughs. And then, you know, stick around for the Supernatural Bear. Let's see what it comes up with. You know, it's been a, a couple of weeks. So I believe he mentioned something about some type of parody. He's all into Weird Al Yankovic right now. So we might get a little taste of something, um, a little ditty of sorts, if you will. So let's get it started. Can you see me? Can you hear me? You know? I can see you and I can hear you. Can you see me? Can you hear me? I, can, I feel you and I see you. Not just with my <laughs> eyes, though. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I see you. <laughs> I see that you're not just present, but you exist. <laughs> Te veo. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I feel you is what I'm trying to say. Oh. I got to get, get all the distractions out. I'm like, damn, we're here. <laughs> Goodbye, After Effects. Goodbye, Photoshop. <laughs> are you okay, after, all right. after Effects? Are you like a, a Premiere and After Effects pro? Uh, Premiere is like, I mean, any uh, nonlinear editing software is the same thing to me. I'm, I'm a professional editor. But uh, with the uh, After Effects and Illustrator and Photoshop, uh, I'm pretty good with all that stuff. After Effects, I'm yeah, I'm very good. Illustrator too. I've been using those programs since they came out. So, like literally since they came out. Oh, because like After Effects, <laughs> I'm new. I'm new to Premiere, like Premiere, and like any video editing. Because I was doing minimal. Any video editing was like in, um, like iMovie or something like that. Right. And then, you know, for the podcast, I do the little voice thing. And then so it took me into premiere. I was like, I'm I'm gonna get there one day. And so I'm in there. Uh-huh. And then to add the thing, I you know, I just YouTube everything. And then it it has a little adjustment layer thing. And I was like, this is a lot of shit I want to learn over here. But I learned by doing. That's how I learned anyway. Right. So it was my first we- time doing after effects. And I was like, I don't know how I don't even know how to start this shit. Like I only know that I'm in here because it brought me in here because it's an adjustment layer shit. Right, da, right. Da, da, da. I was like, this is my next realm. Like I love learning new shit. So I was like, I'll learn it as I go. But it's I don't I don't know anyone that's like uses it at your I, level. I use, I use it every single day. Unless uh I'm not coming into the studio, it's the first thing I open. Uh, and the second thing I open is Illustrator. But After Effects, I actually have it. You know, I, I also do, I work for an ad agency. So I got a machine next to me that is owned by the company. Uh-huh. And After Effects is always open there. And then on my desktop, which is directly next to it, I have two screens here. Um, After Effects is always open here too. So, so you After Effects for days. Two Two mice. <laughs> yeah, the mice. Two, yeah, got it. You don't Wacom t- you don't Wacom uh board it with the pen and stuff? Oh god, that's that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got all that shit. I figured. <laughs> my car looks like shit, but my computer's woo wee, let test the raw out. <laughs> you gotta be, right? <laughs> got that Lambo. <laughs> <laughs> so Roy, gracias for being here. I I wanna start off just what I do right now. Because it's past uh-huh. We're still in a pandemic, folks. Don't fucking forget it. You know what I'm saying? We're still in a pandemic. Exactly. Mask it up. Mask, Mask it up. It up. I, you know, <laughs> we we're talking about the supernatural bear at dinner with us. He's like, oh, he's like, so are we gonna still wear masks? 
when it, you know, because I was saying, oh, the 15th, right. I was like, oh, we're, we're wearing masks forever. Like, if we're in a situation where there's a group of people and we don't know them, I was like, we are I'm masking putting that up. mask on. Right. So I bought those, the, like, you put them, like, if you have glasses, right, and they right. can hang off your neck. I bought those for masks because I was like, oh, we're nice. rolling hard. We're rolling deep. It's like a forever shit over here. So yeah, anyway, because the disease didn't go away. The disease didn't go away. And also people are mad dirty, dude. They're, they were dirty pre-pandemic. Oh my God, they're so gross. They're gross. So it's like, I don't want whatever else you have might be yeah, yeah. offering. I don't want that either. So anyways, the, all that to say, how are you doing? How have you been? You made it to the other side. What were your thoughts on the last trash year? Um, I didn't consider it a trash year. I uh, I considered it a, a year of, of truth and discovery. Please believe um, it. Just like, honestly, the last, uh, the entire last term. Actually, I'd say the last two presidents, there was an age of discovery. Um, yeah, yeah. We discovered uh, that Black people were still Black, <laughs> no matter how Who high they get on the exactly. on the on the top and that um no matter which offices you're in they're still gonna call you that word mm-hmm. um and they're still gonna try to treat you like that and it changed the dynamic of everything right just having a black man in there so when the worst white guy got in there not even the worst white guy by the way yeah. but a worse white type of person got in there um even more stuff unfolded so during the pandemic it, it came into a, like Boom. Yeah. This is what you get. Um, so I got to sit in my studio every day, which I didn't get to do uh, pre-pandemic. So that was awesome. I feel more. Uh, so everything's great. Had, you know, I'm getting older, so always health issues is a thing. But uh, I really felt bad for the kids. You know, my, my daughters, um, they're teenagers and they want to go out and do their thing. So. That's the thing that's held us up the most. And traveling and not being able to see the homies. Yeah. You know, across the country and around the world, like I normally would do because I'm a jet setter. Um, <laughs> but I'm cool. That's good. There's Zoom, Zoom calls and, you know, things of that nature. <laughs> good, Text good, me, baby. Good to hear. Good to hear. It was a, you're right. Like a big awakening, a big, uh, like we've known. We, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not not me that's awakening. Exactly. It's others. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah it's yeah. exciting because to me. Like, oh, y'all thinking about that now? Yeah. Oh, you, you gonna vote now? That's crazy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know exactly. you your whole life. <laughs> right? Exactly. So that that that's been great. And you know, exactly. Like, you know, we are of a color and we've we've been knowing about this stuff. And there's some mm-hmm. and you know, we know people or we know of people that are of color that are in denial and you know, oh, really yeah, for sure really have uh, been sucked in by the by by white supremacy and feel yeah, that you know they're trying the, to the get closer to whiteness will help them which it fucking doesn't but luckily we're we're of like minds and I was trying to remember how we met was it San Diego Comic Con was it Decon was that at a say, show I'm gonna say it was at um it was probably decon first. Mm-hmm, mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it was in uh, Pasadena. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because you met me with my homeboy Ian, and he was helping my brother, and he had been a man in the booth with me. 
and you guys had some uh, record industry history. Oh yeah, so yeah. I, so it I was Pasadena. That. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think I had met you through the, like if that was a physical, like I, I, I definitely knew who you were because you're hella famous and talented and stuff. No famous at all. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Funny. Everybody talks about you, you know, in the streets. They like your name lights up the streets. Yeah. Right. So I was like, oh, I so, gotta know her. <laughs> so silly, so silly, so dumb. Um, okay, so that was like, what was that? Like two thousand nine ish. My yeah, first two thousand nine, yeah. two thousand ten. That was say. my first. I think my first uh, decon ever was like two thousand nine. Oh, and I gave you shots of tequila. Yeah. That I I I. I, I remember that. Yeah, that was my first one. And I was like, oh, I was like, I get a little nervous because I'm not part of the scene. You know what I mean? Like right, I'm new to right, the right, scene. Right. So I had a little bag, a little tote bag, and I had tequila and I had uh, disposable shot cups. And I had like sliced limes. And, like, I had right, right. Thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You were the icebreaker. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, here, let's have a shot. Let's, uh, because it was right. interesting to me. It was like the first time being part of like a new industry or a new scene where I only met everybody through Twitter or, you know, social right, right, media. Right. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to meet him in person. Like, that's kind of weird. And I, you know, I roll solo. Because right. then I can move, you know, you can move and right, right, not right. have to worry about anything. And so, oh, that was good times, man. That was, I was, it's, it was it's always long. very strange to sort of put yourself out there, but you got to do it if you want to be a part of the thing. That's how I got into the toys in the first place was like to- totally throwing myself in, in uncharted waters. Like I flew to China. Shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. A lot of these cats, like, I got into toys because I got a dunny. I was like, I got into toys because I flew to China. So uh, how did that happen? Like, what was like, oh, I'm into toys. Let me fucking fly the fuck out to China. Uh, well, you know, the um, the godfathers of the whole thing of sort of urban vinyl, if you want to call it that, um, are Eric So and Michael Lyle, right? Mm-hmm. And they're in Hong Kong. And the only other cats that were in America that you could say were doing it like they were doing it and really at a much smaller level were like Futura, um, mm-hmm. eventually Stash, like people that were already mega uh, gods in their own realm already. And so when I saw new people that I had not heard of doing things that I had not seen before um, using that um, toys as a medium, I said, I got to get to Hong Kong just to peep game like i want to i want to do this too yeah and that was back in 2000 that was really back in 99 but i got there in 2001 i finally like sat down in 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 hong kong but i had already done a lot of homework in 99 uh in 2000 like the groundwork so i was like this is it now i'm gonna fly to hong kong at one of these shows i see on the internet and just put myself out there and it was good because you know there are probably like six Americans entirely there at the show. Yeah. And and uh, only a, two people were of color, just, you know, uh, that weren't Chinese. Yeah. You know, um, I remember Jaquan was there from the 360 Toy Group. Uh-huh. Um, but he was already a, a person established in that universe as well, you know. So did you have a booth or you just went to that conference or whatever that show was? The first was? time I went to, I just went to the show. I just wanted to see what was up. 
um, I had actually made arrangements with the manufacturer already um, uh, to do some tours. Uh, and I met some folks and I went to maybe five factories uh, to line up how to, you know, get this thing going with my own toy. Um, I, I was inspired with those cat, by what those cats were doing, but not on how they were doing it or uh, sort of the, their execution. Mm-hmm. I love the artwork, but I didn't think that I don't think stuff should always be so exclusive and so hard to get. And when you're dealing with the culture, which a lot of these folks were trying to deal with the culture, but they're not of the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like to represent it, you got to the, the culture is and I'm speaking of street hip hop culture is what I'm yes. speaking of. Um, it's hyper inclusive. Yeah. Anybody can be down. Um, so like when I came to the toy realm, when that's not the, the case, nah. um, I was like, man, fuck that. Like I'm making, I'm not making a $200 toy. I'm making a $5 toy. I'm making it dope as those toys, but I'm making it. So anybody in my neighborhood where I come from can swoop it and they don't feel weird that they're buying some hyper expensive, weird thing that they yeah. don't even, they're not connected to that universe. Um, there was a collectability factor of what I was trying to do as well, because there were like 35 different variations. But um, outside of that, I just wanted to to do something I hadn't seen anybody look like me do. That's that's amazing. That must have been I, I we were in a, I went to Hong Kong. Uh, I loved it, but it was like a couple of days and it wasn't mm-hmm. seeing the factories or anything like that. That must have been amazing. You must have learned so fucking much. The first time you know, I went to a factory, I learned that was just like, it's a full day trip. I mean, the first time you even make arrangements to go somewhere, you got to hand up your passport. And then two days later, they're done with the paperwork and you oh, get the shit. passes to go to mainland China. Mm. Uh, and then you got to, you know, so the, the person that's sponsoring you, who owns the factory or who's the factory rep in Hong Kong, who works with the actual factory in mainland China, has to make all the arrangements for you to get out there. And if they're like, nah, he can't go. It's just weird being in a foreign country and handing over your passport and being like, all right, blood, I'll see you. <laughs> you say you're going to come back. All right, blood, I, where, where you stay at? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. none of your, that's another thing. None of your, uh, none of my East Oakland street smarts is, is, was popped. Like, none of that shit mattered. <laughs> nothing helped. Nothing helped. None of that helped. Not at all. It was like, we got your number player. <laughs> this is not, this ain't America, blood. <laughs> This ain't the movies either. None of that right. you know, slick shit. That slick shit don't work here. <laughs> <laughs> so they were like, we're going to take this. We'll be we're probably going to be back. I don't know. But we'll be back. <laughs> but they came back. You know, here's the thing. They want your money. You know what I'm saying? So they're, yeah. they took me out to dinner. They took me to a restaurant. But also I realized the landscape of like manufacturing in China was like scary. It's like, um, it's like Mad Max out there. Mm. Um, just these giant glass buildings and structures and then desert-like conditions. Wow. And then, boom, a giant city-sized factory and then, boom, desert. Um, Like, people, like, with fire and, like, roasting a thing and then, you know, the Terminator. (laughs) Wow. And and what about inside the factories that you visited? What were the conditions and the working conditions uh, like? Like, some of the factories, I was like... So a couple of times people just weren't wearing masks and they making Superman capes and uh, like um, toys that our kids and people in America are going to go play with. And I was like, 
we have full masks on. And I was like, shouldn't they be wearing masks? We got masks. <laughs> and they'd say stuff, oh, they're used to it. I'm like, I don't seem right, player. <laughs> you know, and then they'd be like, oh, you know, say something to somebody. Then also everybody put their mask on. <laughs> I know they made them take their shits off when they was done. Of course. When, I, when we left the room. Um, you know, in each factory, I went to a facility that did stuff for McFarlane mm. toys. And their stuff was like, it was like they, they might as well have been making semiconductors. It was so pristine and clean. Oh, wow. Um, but the factory I went with was like a hood spot. <laughs> the janky spots. You know, the, yeah. the janky, like, like, <laughs> oh, what you want to make? Even the rep told me, he's like, well, what do you want to make? I showed, you know, we had the designs. He said, how many you want to make? I said, I don't know, maybe five to 15,000 units is the max for me. And he's like, we do that in one day. Oh, I was shit. like, that, I don't like, I'm not comfortable with the fish in the hand thing. <laughs> so I'm going to use a different factory. <laughs> but, you know, you had to find this place that was, uh, and I was doing this all by myself. There was no, you know, it was like using Google Translate and just finding people. Wow. Or, um, using my access in the, the entertainment industry, which, you know, I was a fledgling person, but I was uh, in teaching. I was a professor at a, a, a animation school at the time. So I was at E3 and, and Seagraph mm-hmm. and these conventions a lot. And I met um, a Chinese rep from a Hong Kong rep uh. at E3 in the basement where they sell the joysticks and stuff, like the off-brand knockoff stuff. Yeah. And I saw a dude, I was like, you guys made this stuff? He says, I rep the factory that makes this. And I was like, can you make like a little guy, like a little toy, a little thing? And he's like, yeah, we do all that all the time. So right there. And before that, I had been calling reps and like, you know, going through uh, the business library in downtown Oakland, all this stuff. There was not a lot of stuff on online. And everyone I would find, they wanted to charge you a huge commission just to find the, the broker in Hong Kong. So you talk to an American broker. They have a relationship with the Hong Kong broker. The Hong Kong broker has a relationship with the mainland factory in China. Well, what do I need this dude in America in yeah. Seattle for to talk to a cat in China who's going to talk to, or in Hong Kong that's going to talk to a cat in China? Like, I'll just go to Hong Kong. Cut so luckily I met that out. guy. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I just how I roll through life is a lot of times those things just line up for me. Like I'm at E3. I'm there, so you know, supposed to be repping the college and, uh, you know, trying to get students in the video game industry and they pay for that trip. And I use that as a way to find people uh, connections for the other thing I want to do. Of course. Um, so that's just how you do it, you know. You parlay it every time. Parlay, parlay. Parlay all day. Parlay all day. All day. <laughs> uh, speaking of E3, when w- I haven't been to E3 since, I don't know, 2000 or something like that. How have you been? When was the last one that you've attended? I think the last one I went to was maybe 2007, 2008. Mm. Um, and then I kind of just, I didn't care as much anymore. I pay attention and uh, I got out of 3D mostly. Like I realized as soon as I learned all this 3D animation stuff that I really didn't, it wasn't my path. Yeah. I learned it and I, and I did it pretty okay. But um it just became another tool for me to do the stuff I want to do. I just like being a storyteller. That's why, yeah. I, like, from everything from the toys to animation to documentary work to um, illustration to, you know, toy making to fucking puppets. Like, all this stuff is me 
I just love telling stories. Different mediums in which yeah, you yeah. can tell the stories. Yeah, yeah, that's what I, you know, I was making an outline. I always make an outline for these conversations. And if it, you know, it's just organic and if it stays within it. But one of the things I, I definitely wanted to talk about was what you just mentioned was, you know, where I feel like I'm at this point right now too. Well, I've always known, but the same thing, like, I, I don't like, I get bored, but I also mm -hmm. look for other ways to, I feel like I'm just a story storyteller. Like I say I'm an artist, but now I'm like, oh, I'm a creative. But now my latest is I'm a storyteller. So like, what's the the new way or the new moody medium or the new opportunity you know, because sometimes right. people see you in a way that you don't see yourself or see something that's possible for you that you might not have seen. Um, and they have access to to be able to be like, oh, like Roy's dope ass storyteller. Like, let's get him to do such and such. And it's something you've ne maybe never done before. Um, right. So. Is it something because you're like, oh, let me do anim like 3D animation, let me teach and shit like that. And then you figured out that it wasn't really your maybe your passion or like you said, your path. Was it then or since from jump, you're like, I'm a storyteller. I'm not just an artist. I'm not just a designer. I'm not just an illustrator, animator, blah, 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 blah. Like when when do you think was that defining moment? where are just like, oh, this is my thing. Storytelling with different mediums. I think that happened early. I just, uh, when it became different mediums, I, uh, once I learned how to make the general stuff in film and animation school, I went to both. Nice. And once I learned how to edit, and then I saw that editing was just, um, or like the After Effects you were talking about, when I realized After Effects was just Photoshop, mm. you know, and I had known Photoshop from doing record covers, doing all this stuff. When I, realized that they were all the same thing. These are all just different versions of the same sort of tools and you use them to, you know, oh, I'm going to use this to to do this thing instead of using this to do this thing. And they start to like overlap on each other. Um, you just sort of build a toolkit, right? Mm. Um, and then that broadens the the type of story you can tell. I've always been interested in filmmaking. And number one, I consider myself a filmmaker above all else got it um so like if i'm an animation to me is filmmaking yeah um you know uh, uh doing the 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 puppets and stuff like that that's filmmaking and filmmaking is storytelling yeah so i just um it to me it i always thought it was my strength that i didn't differentiate in the mediums yeah because uh you know people are like oh you're working in you, you know i work in commercials you know, we make commercials every day and you have to tell a story. Now, like what you do with the mediums and what you do with that story is completely different every time. But if the, the elements are always there, there's a beginning, a middle and an end or, you know, in a commercial, there's a call to action at the end. You know, like all this yeah. stuff is bringing you to a point like, am I trying to sell a, a sprocket or just tell a tale or <laughs> give them a lesson, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah. or just make you laugh. And that's another part of it is um, in my work, my personal work and things I produce uh, for, you know, through for myself uh, and my audience is I just want people to smile when they see it. Like, I feel mm -hmm. like I win if you look at it immediately and you smile. Yeah. You know, oh shit, you hear that? That's angels. Sorry. 
supposed to pick up my son, but my husband, my husband <laughs> okay. got it. So we're good. We're good. Okay, just <laughs> Sorry <don't>... about that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, so that's my whole thing is, you know, I like people to find joy in the things I make. Um, and then there's always way deeper stuff happening there, but your immediate response should be like, you should smile at that, you yeah. know? So it I'm never looking at in. trying to make something cool. Yeah. And I'm never trying to make something cool. You know, I think that's corny. Yeah. Like this is cool. I mean, is it? Um, <laughs> I just want it to be funny. You know, I think funny is what well, that's cool or cute. You know, that's fun yeah. too, but just like smile, you know? And your work definitely does that. I know that's definitely what drew me in, especially just your, you know, the moniker of, you know, how I met you, the ghetto Geppetto. And, you know, I was like, yeah, because just from seeing the work that you've done, uh, your personal work, you know, from jump immediately that hip hop is a huge influence. All right. It's dead center. Right. And uh, I think that's what we have in common, what a lot of our friends, you know, that mm-hmm, we know mm-hmm. uh, yes. uh, have in common, um, that it's such an integral part of our life that mm-hmm. we uh, live it and we create with it. It's always there somehow, some way. Right. And it's there's a, um, a element of like, nostalgia with your stuff you know that immediately is like ah it makes me feel good it and then you listen to what you're you know it's like all these different elements and I feel like you're definitely super successful at all the things that you mentioned you're a storyteller you bring people in you make people smile you know the I feel like if they and then when they stay they see more shit like you know what i'm saying uh (laughs) you you get extras uh i I think i think it's uh pretty amazing all the things that you do and that you know like i said hip-hop is it's it's so important to me i I feel like you know we discovered recently on clubhouse that we have a like you know oh yeah 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 you know multiple connections and you know people that we know or people that you know, I admire and hip hop, you know, it's just hip hop brings so many people together. And I, pretty much almost everyone on here, I probably know because of something there's stemming hip-hop from hip hop, you know, yeah. music industry connection, hip hop connection. Um, and there's some long lasting, you know, um, connections for sure. Um, but one of the other things I wanted to talk about before we get into the questions and comments from the audience, um, you know, I believe you said you're Blacksican. Staying competitive in these dynamic times means having the right technology at work for your small or medium-sized business. Whether your goal is to grow, downsize, or modernize, Panoply BPO provides the right combination of tools, support, and affordability necessary to make it a reality. Visit PanoplyBPO.com. That's P-A-N-O-P-L-Y-B-P-O.com to schedule your no-obligation consultation today. Mention WTYM and get your 13th month of service for free. PanoplyBPO.com. There is a better way. Yes. And how... I'm black and Mexican. I'm Blacksican. It's something. I'm not. 
if you can point to Blexico on the map, I will claim it. I will claim Blexico if there's a flag or some kind of I'm from resort Blexico. area. I will go to Blexico on my next vacation. Uh, but yeah, I am black and Mexican. And my mother is uh, Mexican and my father is uh, what they call African-American. <laughs> Your eyes got all big. So, so I wanted to talk a little bit more about that. And the, I call it Blexican because did you, do you ever follow? I don't know if they're still around. That Instagram account? From LA, yeah, 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 yeah. I peeped it. <laughs> yeah, um, which I thought you know very <laughs> interesting because, uh, you know, Supernatural Bear, he's not just black and Mexican, but that's uh-huh. the majority of what he is. Right, that's uh, the makeup. So, so I like to you know point that out, like, oh, you know, he's also like you, and da 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 da. So how was that? So are you born and raised? I know you're in Oakland, or you're from Oakland. You rep, rep Oakland. Are were you born and raised in Oakland? Born and raised. Oh, Born and shit. raised. And my studio's right here in the neighborhood I grew up in. Nice. So it's loud and shit over here. <laughs> <laughs> and how 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 gentrified is it nowadays? Um, I'd say it's um not as gentrified as most places in like areas that were predominantly uh black in Oakland, mm. uh, like West Oakland, but East Oakland is Definitely has been and is gentrified, has been going through it uh, block by block. Some of them in areas, uh, areas by area. Um, There are some very, very, very Mexican parts of Oakland still and Mm. very, very black parts of Oakland still. But they are becoming um, smaller. Mm. um, And they are also uh, just the, the black folks have left Oakland for sure. There's a, a ton of black flight. And um, where were they, where did they end up going? Like where was the, where um, the landing Antioch, spots? Fresno, uh, Sacramento, um, oh. just outlying areas out of state. A lot of my folks is out of state now. Um, yeah, actually my main, <laughs> my main crew of friends that I grew up with and that I've known the longest, uh, one is now on a, a ship outside of Bali and working as a longshoreman type situation. Oh, uh, my last homie just went to Colorado. Uh, my other yeah. homie went to Chicago and then the other homie is in, is in uh, London, London. So like wow. my core five dudes that like are my, uh, uh, what do you call that? Uh, my conciliaries, you know, that I <laughs> went to high school with and I've known the longest. Those dudes are all gone. They all kind of are out of Oakland. Um, the only folks that are like, shit, if you really think about it, even like my other homies, like Dell and like he lives in Richmond. And like, so like not even the homie homies that are still here are technically here uh. in Oakland, you know? And that's what, you know, a lot of people say the Bay and shit. I never say that. I'm not from the Bay. I'm not from you, you need the Bay to make area. sure you differentiate. <laughs> yeah, I'm from Oakland. When I hear a cat say the whole bay in the bay, I'm like, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> you trying to make El Cerrito part of this shit, bro? <laughs> you trying to what you trying to what? And where? Albany. <laughs> no. <laughs> so how was it? Where- <laughs> you growing up and you're, you know, half Mexican, half black. Were you what was your neighborhood? Were you in the black? 
neighborhood, the Mexican well, neighborhood, in, or the mixed neighborhood? In Oakland, neighborhood? in this neighborhood, it was always mixed. It's always black and Mexican in, in this neighborhood. And, uh, you know, there were some other folks, uh, you know. Oakland at the time, when I grew up, by the time it was the 80s, um, you know, we got an award for being the, the most diverse city in America several years in a row. They had banners all over the city. Um, it was a chocolate city, but it was also a, 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 a Mexican city for real. Mm. A real, you know, like shit, man. Right across the street you can is where I learned <laughs> uh, what horchata was because um, <laughs> my dad would take us there to get it every morning. And this is the place where you can buy fresh tortillas, like right here, like directly across the street from where I am. You know what I'm saying? Like, and this is sex blocks from where I went to, you know, uh, grew up with. And, you know, so this neighborhood is uh, next to the Fruitvale district, which is um, a, a very Mexican neighborhood. And I'm not saying Latinx or nothing like that. I'm saying this is Mex- a Mexican neighbor neighborhood. So is that like, because when I think of like San, when I San Francisco, I would go to San Francisco um, all the time because like my best friend's family from college. But that was like mostly central, you know, Salvadorian, you right, know, Central right, American right, right. and stuff. So is is that like the dividing thing? Most of the Mexicans are on in East I Oakland. Think just, you know, since, you know how it is in California, California is Mexico. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. there's a great tradition of just Mexican folks being here. My, my family comes from, uh, I guess the, I guess it would be through Texas, the Rio Grande through Mexico would be like, I guess the Chihuahua mm. area up through into the Rio Grande. And then they moved here, uh, uh, on my, on my mother's side and on my father's side during the, um, you know, the second great migration of black folks coming from the, the South, Arkansas mm-hmm. in particular, uh, when jobs came open for black folks in California uh, and uh, the Klan was still doing their thing heavy in the South. It was uh, uh, pretty enticing to come out here and know that you can get a job of some sort, even if it was most of those jobs were either agriculture or factories and things of that nature yeah Um, but it was at least get away from sharecropping and into like a higher bracket so that's where those communities came came into play on both sides um and then uh you know so it comes to show you that my parents they met in high school so it was an integrated high school Mm. um but even then when they got married they got married very young uh, as teenagers 16 17 years old um they were the first apartment they tried to get, they were denied because they were a mixed couple. Uh, so, like, they had to sue the city and sue oh, the, the, the people. It was a whole thing. So, it's always been a thing. And I've never, being a person, when you're mixing, uh, back in the day, if you didn't look like a particular thing, um, then you were the other thing no matter what. Yeah. So, if uh, I was never considered a Mexican person um, by Mexican people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. but I don't have to be because I know, you know, know I know what's popping. But it was definitely, yeah, I know. I, <laughs> but it was definitely a, as a child, yeah. it can be difficult. You know what of I'm saying? Course. So, but uh, you know, uh, so no, no, I, I didn't get invited to a bunch of like quinceañeras and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a lot of like in Oakland on your mom's side? a lot of like tias and tios and cousins and stuff or no? I have uh, three uncles. 
Uh, and uh, so my mom was the only daughter. Um, and so like a very small, they're like a small family uh, in comparison. Uh, but they were very, very Chicano, like very. Yeah. <laughs> they were activists and very political Dumb. and uh, um, powerful. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm blessed on the side of both my father and my mother because the um, my aunts and uncles are all like very strong people, very smart people. Um, they're, you know, on my dad's side, there's 10 of them on my mom's side, there's just four of them. So it's just like, um, but they're all like cool. And I got something cool from almost all those people, you know, like from my love of jazz to how to dress, what I think is cool, what I don't think is cool, how you talk to people, how I think being educated is cool. Um, all that stuff, you know, going against the system and saying, fuck the system is super tight to me. Uh, like all these things, you know, being an artist and drawing and playing music, all that stuff was cool because there was somebody that kind of, um, uh, I, they, I was seeing that behavior in one of these, you know, 13 people. And so uh, when you, when you were young and doing that shit and figuring what you wanted to do out, you were always supported then? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. As a matter of fact, um, you know, my father. Um, he frowned upon uh, me drawing and stuff all the time. And uh, it was looked at as something that was not going to serve me well as an adult or uh, make me a living or anything like that. And I was recruited many, many times by art schools. Um, they'd say, a teacher would be like, hey, Roy, these people are coming from this school. You know, you might want to go to this school. They pay for everything and whoop, whoop, whoop. It's an art school in uh, downtown Oakland. There's art school in Berkeley come to this meeting and I go and I get super hyped, like, whoa, shit. They teach you how to make movies with super eight film and all this move, stop yeah. motion. And I come home with all this stuff like, yo, I can go here. He's like, man, you can't even get good grades in regular school. <laughs> and that'd be it right there, boy. That'd be the end of the whole shit. No more conversation. <laughs> and so like, it was something that I, you know, and until I got into high school, really junior high school, but really, especially in high school where, uh, it became pretty apparent that I was good at music. Um, I started in the seventh grade by accident. Um, just having a, you know, your voice is changing. I had a pretty wide vocal range and I started singing and then I started getting into the musicals and stuff like that. And I was like becoming lead. So by the time I got to high school, even though my grades were shit poor, because I just didn't give a dang, um, you were, I was in every musical. Like what I was, was your and I started to become the lead. Your favorite one that you were lead in. What was your favorite? My favorite one that I was a lead in was um, Once Upon a Mattress, which is like a retelling of the story of the princess and the pea. Oh. And I was like this uh, guy, uh, Sir Harry. And I had probably the most songs in the whole thing because I had duets and I had a kissing scene and That's all awesome. this stuff. And everybody was like, this nigga got pink tights on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, blood, you got pink tights on, blood. Always keep you humble. Always you know make sure you remember. <laughs> Two things about that. I look great in pink tights. And B, <laughs> there were girls in pink tights, too. <laughs> that was the biggest thing. It's like, you know, hey, if you're in theaters, it has all these theaters chicks there. Yeah. <laughs> 
like these women are all crazy, but they're 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 crazy in the best way. <laughs> <laughs> so they're all and it they taught me a lot. But yeah, you know, I I was the whole funny thing is I was failing in school because I just wasn't in it to win it, but I was lettering in music. Mm, yeah, yeah. So I had a you know a letter and an F. <laughs> <laughs> So like, uh, and, and, but I was never, no one ever made the connection like, yo, this is where you need to go. Yeah. This is what you need to do. It was always like, you're not doing the right things to go where we think you should go in mm. society. It was all like, these things that you're doing are extra. They weren't looked at as things that were strengths or things that um, would take me to another level or even lead down a path for my life. Yeah. Um, but in my in my mind, in my heart, I knew it. And especially when I got, was right about to get out of high school and I really saw like friends of mine, like getting signed to record labels and shit. And that was never my desire, but I saw like people I know making money, like real money, adult money from the art that they made. So like, you couldn't tell me that that couldn't, that's not a thing. Yeah. Cause you were seeing it, right? These guys yeah. are doing it right here. Yeah. So I, I got lucky there too. You know, that folks is getting signed. I got to just be around that sort of thing. So once I got out of high school and left the house and all that stuff, I just, just this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to be involved in rap uh, because all my friends rap. But with the uh, ulterior motive of wanting to be a filmmaker so I get to try to maybe work on their music videos is what I thought. And so yeah. that's how it worked. And so what, what, at what point did your, did your parents, if, if they have ever mm-hmm. acknowledged like, all right, you, you I can you. tell you, I can tell you the year. <laughs> uh, uh, I'd say that was 2001. I had already put myself through school twice and um, I'd say one and a half times, but yeah, I went to school twice and paid for it all myself and uh was starting to have a career and uh my dad came to me and said hey man do you remember when uh, this might have been the year 2000 actually do you remember when you used to make t-shirts and sell them at the malls and all that stuff and i was like yep he's like yo you should do that again because i saw some dudes at the mall man and you know little young black guys they were selling their own shirts i said Hey man, that was 10 years ago, dog. Like <laughs> I just graduated from school, the animation, you know, for animation. Like, like I kind of jumped past that already, but like I was like, well, let me show you something. And I showed him my toy designs. And he was like, What is this? I was like, I'm gonna make a toy. He's like, You can't make a toy. And there he was again, like yeah. saying something I couldn't do. I was like, I can do this. Yeah. I can do anything. This is what I told him. I said, I, I can do this. I can do anything. If you want to be involved, um, kick in some cash. Yeah. And he did. You know, nice. we both put up to start my Biddy's toy company. We both put up the initial 10,000 bucks each. Nice. You know, so, and it was a gamble for him. Like, holy shit. You know, it was a, probably a bigger one for me because I put up 
way more than that later on as it went <laughs> up. But just for the initial money to like do prototyping and, and stuff like that to take it to the next level, um, you know, he got on board. And ever since then, he and my mother have always been like very happy to see the things I'm doing and recording me if I'm ever on TV and seeing yeah. things. And my dad collects my art and, uh, you know, so it's cool, man. You know, they're very excited. Every, anytime something comes out, my mom's like, always, I want the first one. <laughs> Cute. I'm like, nah, sold. <laughs> <laughs> sold, baby. I'm glad that, uh, you know, it, it worked out and that they're, they're supportive now. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're not yeah. like still like upset or still holding they're on not to upset, But they think they do think I'm, they do all think I'm insane. <laughs> like they, you know why they think I'm insane is I put as much effort in like decorating for Halloween as I do in trying to make a toy company. <laughs> <laughs> Like, they're like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? <laughs> like, <laughs> This episode of Word to Your Mama is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. So I think we've all been to birthday parties at McDonald's, if you think about it. Am I right? Especially us Gen Xers. Back in the days, for my experience, you know, we didn't have much. But on the rare occasion, someone in our community or someone from my school would have a birthday party. They would have it at McDonald's and it would be hella special because we got the little happy meal with the gift. But it wasn't our birthday, but we still got a little gift. And all the crew members that worked at McDonald's, it was people that we saw in the neighborhood or even people that we knew. Um, So I think McDonald's crew members might throw more birthday parties than any other employees in the world. And I think that's pretty special when you can see people from your community be a part of it. So, yeah, I'm loving it. I wanted to know why some people who get COVID-19 get it so bad. I found out it may be because they have a high risk factor, such as heart disease, diabetes, being overweight, smoking and asthma. Even if symptoms feel mild, these factors can increase your risk of COVID-19 turning severe. So if you're at high risk and test positive, there are things you can do, like asking your healthcare provider if an authorized oral treatment is right for you. Learn about an option at treatcovid19.com. This message is sponsored by Pfizer. Many of us have heard of the devastating passing of Hurricane Fiona through Puerto Rico, but not many of us know of ways, or better yet, trustworthy ways to help and contribute to those in need. Fiona a Través de los Ojos de los Niños is an NFT project featuring art made by children of the nonprofit school Flor de Loto in Ponce, Puerto Rico. Through their drawings, they've expressed their feelings and fears which they went through the hurricane. You can help these children, their school, families, and communities by minting one of their NFTs at helppr.xyz. You can also help by sending crypto directly to their wallet listed on the website or do a donation through PayPal. The links can be found in the description. And to learn more about this initiative and how you can help, please visit helppr.xyc or via Twitter at helpprflm. Ayuda a tus hijos y estudiantes a llegar más lejos. Aprende más sobre la beca nacional hacer de McDonald's. 
Desde 1985, McDonald's ha otorgado más de 33 millones de dólares en becas. Gánate una beca de hasta 100 mil dólares. McDonald's está dando 500 mil dólares en becas este año. Puedes ganar una de 30 becas. Hoy día, es importante seguir adelante y hacer más. A ayudar a estudiantes hispanos a hacer más que las generaciones anteriores. Hacer más de lo que se creen capaz. Hacer más de lo que pensaban que era posible. Por sí mismos, por su gente, por su cultura, por un mejor futuro. Para más información sobre la beca nacional Hacer de McDonald's, visita mcdonalds.com diagonal hacer. Aprende más. Dancing crew, trip for two, nail the final interview, game with Doug, brand new mug, come here kid, give me a hug. The more you want to do, the more we want to do. Boosters designed for COVID-19 variants are now available. If you've had your primary series, schedule an updated COVID-19 booster appointment as soon as you're eligible. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. Chances are you aren't sharing an epic dinner with your friends right now, but you could be. Just book a seat at a private dining event with your Chase Sapphire Reserve card. Then get to it. A multi-course menu, insane flavors, a wine pairing. Ooh, is that crispy duck? Experience more unforgettable dinners with private dining events from Sapphire Reserve. Chase, make more of what's yours. Learn more at chase.com slash Sapphire Reserve. Cards issued by J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member of FDIC. Subject to credit approval. Term supply. Holiday season is upon us. With being Latina and the supernatural bear being multicultural, it is that time of year to see all kinds of family. Those that are blood-related and those, as a supernatural bear calls it, heart-related. How cute is that? Whether we stay in town or travel, we'll most definitely be breaking bread with familia. Holidays can be magical like that. They can bring us all together to create those special moments and memories, usually involving food. And you don't need much. It can be at the family carne asada, the family BBQ, or that traditional family holiday meal. All that matters is that we're together. All that matters is that you're together. The holidays always find a way. Enjoy the real magic of the season by surrounding yourself with good friends and family, delicious food, and of course, Ice Cold Coke. Coca-Cola pairs perfectly with every holiday get-together. He, he starts in the summer for Halloween. Like, super, super extreme. Super extreme. I just think you should just put everything you got into everything you do. Like, yeah. why not? You That's what we're here for. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's real. Um, okay. Now it is time for the questions and comments from the audience. Let's see who we have first. First An question audience. is, how do you balance professional creative work, personal creative work, and parent life without compromising anything? And this is from episode 13, Word to Your Mama guest, Jerome Liu, who I call Now Now. <laughs> now Now. Jerome's now. A, good, a good good dude. <laughs> um, it's very difficult to balance. The family portion is the most difficult part. I believe. Um, and I think how you do it is you just have to, on the family side, you got to think about other people, bro. 
sis, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, because as artists, we all become like we're pretty egocentric. I think I haven't met an artist that wasn't like, you know, just even if they're humble about it or whatever, that's bullshit, bro. You make an art, you want niggas <laughs> to see your art. <laughs> you make it shit so people can see it. So you there's an ego there. Um, so you gotta look past all that stuff. You gotta look past your creation and look at the other thing. And being a parent is an art itself, and you gotta look at it like that, and you gotta really reflect and all those times like i said that folks didn't support me i want to be that support for my children um but also for my my wife my spouse you know i I don't want to leave her hanging you know this this is somebody that i've been with for 30 something years so it's like um, you don't want to like she's seen me at every level Mm -hmm. from the top uh top ramen to the top sirloin you know so (laughs) She's in it to win it. And she ate at every one of those meals. You know what I'm saying? So um, I just think about them and what they need. um, more Not so much um, uh, uh, material things, but just uh, emotional support. Uh, But the other balance of doing your work and stuff is like, it's always a project-based thing when you're an artist, you know, for the most part. So you do one for them and do one for for you. Yeah. And you got to make yourself a client. You got to treat yourself like you treat your clients and you got to treat, uh, treat your deadlines. Like you treat your clients deadlines and you got to give yourself milestones. Um, and don't work off of what you perceive your peers or the industry or whatever it is, um, as your litmus of your own success. You have to choose what is successful for you. And for me, I've chosen, Oh, I worked on my thing a little bit today then that's successful to me. I painted this thing, you know, and I just put a clear coat on this thing. That's fine. I just, you can see behind me. Can you see the dudes behind me up there? Mm -hmm. I just built the thing that they're sitting on. um, Nice. This, this granny sofa. I was very excited (laughs) that I did that, you know, (laughs) so that's it. I did that. It's not a thing that everybody's going to see right now. I don't have to put that shit online. I don't have to prove it to nobody. I'm just, Every day, chipping away at doing what I'm doing. And if you look back at what you've done, you have carved out something. But if you keep thinking about what everybody else is doing and thinking about what you haven't done, you're going to kill yourself. Yeah, it's a lose-lose proposition when you do that, for sure. And I think that's a struggle all the time. I'm Not all the time, but here and there, you know, just like... Sometimes you're just, what have I done? And then you just see what people, other people are doing, your good friends, right. your peers, people in similar lanes. And you're just like, and then you just have to remember like, nah, like, I don't know what their life is either. They're presenting the best selves on they, social media. Yeah, right, right. If I don't know them, if we're not really close. And and then I got friends that were, we're family and people, when they look at their accounts, they're like, oh, they're living the high life. And, but I know the real deal. You know what's really popping. Was really popping. So, so when I think of that and when, when I remind myself of that shit, like, you know, then I'm like, yeah, I gotta, uh, nah, I have to just, like you said, that's really good advice. Chip away. What's success? Your success, what's going to be, what you feel is successful for tomorrow's list? Might deep might be different from the next day because you right. you have to balance like you know he's asking how you balance all that shit and it's 
Like you said earlier, you do one for them, you do one for you. And so sometimes certain days, it's like, I'm going to do more client work and I'm only have this much bandwidth for my right. shit. Right. You know what I mean? Because you got to be a whole person. Yeah. Or like, I don't like, got uh, that shit for this. Like, it's family right, right. time or blah, blah, blah. Right. So, okay. So and I don't own that time, by the way. That time when I'm at my house, that's not my time. That is my family's time. I don't yeah. own that time. Right. And I don't treat it like I own that time. This is, and also it's the best time I spend is yeah. being around them. And now that they're older, that shit shifts dynamically. And you really see like, man, yeah. it's such a short time period that 18 years of childhood is so fast. I have a 15 and a 17 year old. I, all I can imagine is holding them little fat babies up and pinching them <laughs> cheeks. And I, every time I look at them, that's what I'm thinking. But that's not who they are no more. <sighs> and I'm glad I was so much a part of their youth and their their childhood. And I'll always be a part of their lives. But that you don't get that shit back. You don't get that time back. And, you know, everyone, people are telling me, like, it goes by so fast. And I just, that's all I hear in my head whenever I'm like, oh, I wish I, nope. But, you know, like I, I'm blessed to work from home, uh, you know, homeschool and and do all this shit. And it's just like sometimes I'm like, oh, I need motherfucking space. But also like but, it yeah, goes we all by need so our own fast. Personal thing, right? Yeah. Like it, it goes by so fast. Like so I can't imagine if he was the age of your daughters because he's barely going to turn nine. But I felt like it was just yesterday that he was in my stomach. And it freaks right. me out. I'm like, you were just in my belly. Okay, so second part of uh, <laughs> now, now Jerome's question. Also, how do you keep your kids from playing with all your cool collectibles? Well, I believe that toys should be played with. I'm not one of those people who we know many of these people, <laughs> you and I, yeah. and none of this shit is precious. You know what I mean? I don't want you throwing in shit and treating it like it ain't yours. <laughs> but... um you know, I have little like people with parents with kids, uh, not so much during the pandemic, but even a producer I worked with brought her twin daughters over and uh, they were like whispering to their mom. They're little, like six. Oh. And they'd say, oh, she's talking about that thing. I said, take it off the shelf. Look at it. Play with it. It's just a toy. It's just plastic, bro. Like I, I take my shit out the packages and. You don't keep uh, one no. in a buy two and buy one keep one in the package and have one that you play with. No, nah, man, that's corny. <laughs> Y'all that do that, if you're listening to this and you do that, that's corny as hell, blood. <laughs> Grown ass person. What you saving it for? Hey, I I have a couple of things. <laughs> I will admit, I, but I'm not Cordsville. I don't want motherfuckers touching my shit. So I, ha now, I have if a the packaging is tight. If the I, packaging is tight. I'll leave it in a package that just looks dope. If it's you know like the I mean? whole the whole thing where like, that's think, part of the design. Like, I, got, I mean, like, like, look, I'm sitting here. I'm talking shit about people with stuff in packages, but I have tons of stuff in packages. <laughs> but just a lot of it's just based on time. But like, see this? This is a carded, but it's not in plastic. It's not in a bubble thing. I just yeah. reach off the fucking thing. Yeah. And I realized I had, oh, I got another storm shot. I just peeped at the other day. I was like, oh, shit. He's, he's holding uh, up G.I. Joe's for those who are I'm listening. I'm holding up two, two separate storm shadows that are pretty minty. <laughs> uh, and pretty I'm also minty. now holding up a King of Cartoons, Pee Wee oh, Herman. Oh, I want that. The Matchbox, not the reprint, the original. The uh, King of Cartoons. Cartoons. And a Cowboy Curtis, ah, the original. Amazing. You know what I'm saying? 
this whole place, you can find this type of shit anywhere. But like this thing, which is worth a lot of money. Ah, uh, see, see, see. That's what. <laughs> you know, I'm not precious like these foods. Because you know what? I, I just have all this stuff here. Uh, I, would, I would turn the thing. I guess I could turn the thing. But you can see all this crazy stuff here. All this stuff yeah. here yeah. is here because I like it. Yeah. Because um, it just makes me feel good. So I'm not here particularly like, you know, kissing it or nothing weird like that. Like these dudes. <laughs> you never know, know what happens when, the, when you're solo. <laughs> I know that's what they when be the doing. When the cameras bro. are off. <laughs> yeah, I know what they do. I know what these dudes are doing. <laughs> They're doing stuff on that uh, cute little sofa that you made back there. Yeah, that yeah, is super cute. Back there? <laughs> it's nice, huh? It's super cute. Um, okay, so the 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 last question, comments from the audience before we get into the not so rapid fire questions, the aka slow as hell questions, is from someone you mentioned earlier in this episode. He asks, Where did you get the idea that knowledge was unlimited? That'll get him. And this is from Del the Funky Homo Sapien from the famous Hieroglyphics. That's funny. Knowledge is unlimited. So we thought about knowledge unlimited. Uh, well, first of all, that was a newspaper that we all created together. Ah. Um, and the genesis of that is actually through Public Enemy. Um, when they released their Welcome to the Terror Dome album, um, they had a song called Welcome to the Terror Dome. And uh, the press had tried to slant it as anti-Semitic. Uh, because of Porsche, uh, one of the lyrics in there, uh, somebody deemed that because he was talking about a rabbi who had talked shit about him, um, that he was being anti-Semitic. Like you could talk about somebody who's not of the same race as you and not be racist. You could be <laughs> just responding to the fucking thing that dude said, you know. Yeah. And he in the song he told the the rab to get off the rag, you know. <laughs> <laughs> if you remember that thing, and in our school newspaper front page of our stupid high school newspaper says public enemy releases anti-semitic record and i was like how dare you besmirch <laughs> my good friends names i love public enemy at the time i still do and so uh i got with a friend of mine rasan uh and i was like he's like did you see this i said i saw it he's like you should write a letter to the editor i was like fuck that man we don't write no letters to no editors we ain't no squares. <laughs> we make our own newspaper, bro, and show these fools what's up. <laughs> Love it. And so uh, we started our own newspaper, and it was called Knowledge Unlimited because we were about to blast you with the knowledge beams. Have your kids been in a house playing video games in your space way too long? Now you can get them outdoors and still be social while social distancing at the skate side after school and group skateboarding classes. Skate students get to improve their skating and decompress after a long day or week of school. This program is awesome for beginners to get started or advanced skaters to take their skills to the next level. Go to theskateside.com and learn about our COVID-safe programs in Santa Monica, Culver City, Glendale, and South Pasadena. That's T-H-E-S-K-A-T-E-S-I-D-E dot com. The Skate Side. More kids skating. And the people involved with that were my man Kwame, my man Gino, my man Rasan. 
and my man Dell, the funky homo sapien. Uh, <laughs> and Dell was, uh, you know, like I met Dell. I knew he was a rapper, but I met him and another cat, CMPX, um, at the same time. And I was introduced to them as dudes that could really draw. Yeah. These dudes are rappers, but they draw like hella raw. And that's all I cared about. I don't care about no niggas rapping. And uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I've been cussing on your little show. Um, that's what happens. That's what we do. Okay, here. I'm just making sure. I'm just making yeah. sure. Because uh, I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, <laughs> so uh, when they were like, we're going to, when I said we're going to make this newspaper and respond to this, um, Rasan was like, we should get Dell and Tone, you know, CMPX to do comics. And the thing, I was like, nah, bruh. We ain't putting no comics in our newspaper. This shit ain't, ain't no joke. This shit ain't a, a fun time. We talking about racism. You know? Uh, we are talking about, you know, white supremacy. And we talking about black history. We talking about real shit. No comics. None of this shit is funny to me. I was so serious. And so, initially, the first issue, we didn't have Dell in it. And then I went to him and I was like, you know, we're going to do a, we, we themed every issue. And I said, let's do a music issue. And Dell knew so much about music, still does. And I was like, hey, man, you want to write an article about uh, music and uh, race and, you know, the origins of rock and roll and black music. And he did. Oh. And he, you know, he did a great little article. We're all just little children. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys still have copy, like, copies of them or pictures of the of the covers or something like that yeah they were just one page deals uh front and back and i think in my archive somewhere i have all four issues yeah if you if you you know the next couple i should of probably days. i should probably put those out in the world but i have to really hunt them down um i really would have to hunt them down i mean you're talking about 19 1990 1989 so That's like that dope. was a long time ago if you if you come across with just a, a photo of one or something like that i would love to see it and share it with the peeps that's a, amazing knowledge unlimited and also thank you to dell because he doesn't know who the fuck i am and i just dm'd him and i was like listen uh i'm gonna have roy miles on my podcast and there's a section and da 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 and it's comments or questions i would say da 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 and he i was like he's not gonna respond and he totally did. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that he asked about the knowledge of living is hella funny. I'm going to have to holler. He's, about he's like, that'll get him. And I was like, oh, I don't know what this is, but it's awesome. I'm excited to ask. So so yeah, that's that awesome. Knowledge of Thank you so that much. That was our, our alternative black press newspaper. And here's the cool thing. Uh, we did a, a ladies issue. Uh-huh. I think our third or fourth issue was like, it's the women's turn. Nice. Ladies, ladies voice. And we just went to the most, they would call them wokest. I say blackest women on campus <laughs> and said, here, you guys want to write articles for this thing? You guys are in charge. That's amazing. And we actually handed over to underclassmen when we left high school. Oh, and how long do you think it did it last? Is it still going? No, not at all. But <laughs> we're very, we were idealistic and we were just like, you know, I'm a community person. So I always have been. And the more knowledge I had when I start to get um, in my high school years, knowledge of self and all that because of the culture and the music that I was listening to and the people I was hanging out with. Um, yeah, I was like, yeah, man, it's about 
It's about the people. It's about the community. Yeah. And it can't be just my voice. It can't be just us. Us four niggas is not, <laughs> that's just the same as just being in four, four white dudes. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you can't just, like, there's all kind of people. There's younger people. There's uh, women. There's like, uh, you know, and I, I wasn't even completely enlightened then because I would have probably included more folks, you know. Um, but, yeah. you know, I, you, you grow and I'm I'm always glad that, you know, we're all, all evolving. And as far as that cat who asked you that question, he's a great dude. And I love that guy very much. He's like my brother. That's awesome, man. If if my super young self that was such a huge Delph like fan, I got my lip, bottom lip pierced like his and everything. <laughs> and it turned out that I have this heart condition. And my, my doctor was like, what are you doing? Do you want to die? That could get infected and go in your heart. And I was like, no. And I had to take it off. If that per, if that version of myself knew that I'd be DMing him and he'd be like responding and you know what I mean? Like I'd be freaking the fuck out. So anyways, this is amazing. Amazing moment all around. Amazing moment. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, Okay. Let's get into these not so rapid fire questions. AK slow as hell questions. Boom, 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 boom. Super slow as hell. Three words to describe yourself. Uh, Tenacious, Mm -hmm. huggable, and (laughs) funny. I bet you give some amazing hugs. I'm the I'm like a hung, hug lord, you know what I mean? Like people stra- strange people off the street. I've hugged strangers before. Like people have come up to me and I'm like, "Oh, go ahead, bro. Give me a hug." You know, that's like, you with the hugs either. That's amazing. Not at all, man. Life is, you know, I'm a I'm a liver. I love life and I love people and I love uh uh, people are gross though, so you wash your hands. You and to, all yeah, that you stuff. have to but make sure. If somebody needs a hug, I will give them a hug. Oh, it's that's amazing. Problem. That's good to hear that you're a hugger. So next time I see, you, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a hug because. Oh yeah, one hundred. I'm gonna hug you. I love hugs, and um, when my weird to say, I'm just gonna say my partner because husband it sounds kind of weird. But when he would go uh, away, and I had a really good friend that I'm still really good friends with at the office that I was working at. He gave the best hugs. He would also include a, like, he'll crack your back too. But, um, so I'll be like, oh, you know, he's gone right now. He's, he's on tour. And I'll, he'll come into my office called oh. the microwave because it looked like a microwave. <laughs> and he would come in and just give me hugs. Oh, that's nice. Just a hug. Um, you know, sometimes gonna, that's all you need. I'm going to go ahead and call, uh, the, what's it, uh, Human Resources. <laughs> like, <laughs> 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 just coming here hugging people. Woo! Yeah, he does. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. That's good. Okay, I like that. Next one. What's the best piece of advice that you've received? Wow, uh, the best piece of advice I ever received is like walk in like you own it. Mm. Um. Uh, and that was from um, a person that was like a, a college professor of mine uh, that became actually my boss when I became a college uh, professor. Yeah. Uh, and he was the one who taught me how to be a teacher. And uh, which is a skill, folks. A, not anyone, not just anyone can be a teacher. It is no. a skill. And I, yeah. it took a while to develop, you know, 
because you can just be the asshole or the asshole teacher. <laughs> There's a difference. Um, Mr. Miyagi is an asshole teacher. You know what I mean? But like, this asshole got me wiping shit down. And you find out, you nigga, I know karate. Yeah. <laughs> Do wax on right. I'm going to try to punch yeah, you. Just wax on, wax on. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's the you asshole just teacher. Me. <laughs> so that's what I became. But before I was just asshole, like, y'all weak. This is the worst bar I've ever seen. You know, that's when you're just an asshole. <laughs> no, nobody gets any benefit. But Yo, we, this guy, it's the worst shit I've ever we, seen. Just look at this bullshit. <laughs> but when Rob Gibson, this is his name, Rob Gibson, when he uh, when he talked, like we went to a, um, and this wasn't even in the classroom. This was, uh, or even this was at a movie premiere that we weren't supposed to be at. We were at a conference, and they were having a thing across the street. And I, I was like, we should go to that, but I don't know how we can get it. He says, man, you just gotta walk in like you own it. Uh, like nobody is going to question you mm. if you own it, bro. And I was like, yeah, that's cool for you, little white guy, but yeah. I'm a big black man. <laughs> He's like, own it like you a big black man. And I was like, you're right, bro. <laughs> so we just walked up in that motherfucker like, boom, we in the room, we turn clan. <laughs> and that's always my mental attitude when I go anywhere is like, you know, it's really just saying, I got this. You got this, man. You got this. Like, I deserve to be here. I could be here. Yeah, I'm supposed to be here. Yeah. I'm here, so I'm supposed to be here. Yeah. So I'm going to treat it like I, I'm very comfortable everywhere I go because of that. Nice. You know? Next one. What are you doing to dismantle the patriarchy? So you got to work. If you are, I'm a, I'm a father. So like, yeah, institutionally, societally, I was born into the patriarchy of and in a uh, 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 a level of privilege, right? As a as a male, um, and you got to recognize that shit, and you got to recognize that you have to advocate for women. Mm-hmm. All the time, not some of the times, not when it's comfortable for you, not when it's um, convenient. It's like being an ally across the board, period, for people of color, women of color, women, period, um, gay folks, whatever. Yeah. Whomever you are, you got to advocate for those folks. And if you get in a position of any power, which you have to also recognize that being born a male, black, white, or whatever, you are in a power position over other folks in society, then it's your duty to make sure that that shit is dismantled from the inside out. It can't be like signs and picketing. You got to be in the thing like, uh, let's it dig deeper and find home. out. Yeah, it starts in the home, of course. You're raising um, young women. Yeah, for sure. But like I, you know, many times on my jobs over the years, I've gone out of my way to find female candidates to get rid of the dude energy. I hate (laughs) fucking dude energy. I I despise it. It's so weak. It's so weak. It's like so weak, bro. Like so. Uh, and it's so disingenuous. Yeah, that's real. It's so disingenuous. 
to deny femininity is to deny half of yourself. Please. And to break it down for these people out here that don't even understand that, it's you denying your mother. Please believe it. And she you fucking come carried your, you. She carried you. Your daddy she didn't even carry you in his little little ball sack, but your mama grew you in her belly, you punk. Grew you. <laughs> like I pointed you out. I was hungry because you was hungry, <laughs> nigga. <laughs> I pointed out on the regular out of nowhere. When I just think about it, I was like, I grew, I grew a you. fucking I grew a penis up in here. Can you uh, do that shit? Human, like, can you make a human in your stomach? I like for a while I was fucking producing milk <laughs> like it boggles my mind like i feel like it was another timeline that i didn't that i just it's like viewed. it's like a different it's like a different person like yeah, a different like that that's uh, not this. being right yeah like right. i was observing like i was looking through the window like oh right. she used to do this and she used to do that like now i grew a fucking penis up in here okay don't i'll get and too men crazy. don't do that and men can't do that right so respect that respect that's life you're talking about right and you know well, a woman's not gonna have a baby just out of her body by herself no. right we need that sperms. Take, you know, we need we need the sperms <laughs> so baby jesus i don't know how, Except, they, that I don't know how that went down but it went really, down. i don't really i'm not into all that but you know i've read a book <laughs> little baby jesus yeah, like, like he's just laser baby immaculate conception <laughs> <laughs> laser rays from space <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's why I try. And also, you know, I think also it's being like super brunt and truthful and open with your children. In my case, my two daughters have always been like, um, treat them as the human beings they are and never try to uh, impose any caveman ideology on them, which as a person growing up in a caveman's universe, uh, that stuff slips out sometimes and I have to catch myself and check myself. Um, and then but you're aware of it. I mean, that's huge. Do you know what I'm saying? That the fact that you're aware of it, that you that you see it, that you catch it, and then that you get to the next level of checking yourself. And then you apologize for it. And then apologize? Come on! Like, which parents, I know a lot of parents, they always write, they don't apologize. But if I'm wrong, I'll let my kids like, Please I'm wrong. That it. shit is that shit is wrong. I'm yeah. I, I I don't want to do that. Stop. But I also say like your granddaddy would have slapped you. That's <laughs> that's hilarious. We say that shit too. Like <laughs> you would have got beat for that shit. Yeah, yeah. Like you're I lucky say, we you, don't you, resort to violence up in here. You talking real wild. Let me tell you, I know <laughs> about four people that would have fucked you up for exactly. saying that. Your grandma, your granddaddy, your grandfather, and your grandmother. Those four right? people would have fucked you up. So many different ways. Just, so, so many different lucky. ways. But anyway, <laughs> so that's that's what I'm doing. Amazing. Uh, the next one. What is that song to get you hyped? Mm, mm, mm. And I know you being so into music, you probably have different ones for different occasions. But give me Definitely. like your go-to, like immediate. See, I don't try to get hyped with music. <laughs> oh, God, I got it. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't need to be onyx up in here, bump, bump against the walls or whatever. And uh, I already I always have energy. I do things to connect to 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 myself emotionally. Mm. Um, I listen to music and cry a lot. 
love uh, it. I love so, it. Give me the cry one. Know, Give me the cry list. Give me the, um, the top one cry one. Shit could be anything for me, but you know, like Stevie Wonder as that's a song that I just will I I will choke up and die. But also Rainbow Connection makes me cry. Oh my god. <laughs> that makes me cry. I don't you I know? can't listen to the whole thing. Or or right. even look at the whole little video of Kermit the Frog singing it. It's too much. Right. It's too much. I love it. I love it. Here's a here's a secret, folks. This exclusive to Word to Your Mama podcast <laughs> incorporated. I will say this. I have a crybaby uh playlist uh oh. music that'll that tears me up. Yes. I, we will need about. that link for sure to it's share. It's a lot of song. It's a private thing, but it's a you know, and all those things connect to me, you know, because they're, uh, um, you know, across my emotional gamut of my entire life. So each one of those songs means something to me. Hmm. So uh, I'm the weirdo that put them all on a playlist just to see what would happen. See if I can live through that. <laughs> and I, I put it on. Um, you know what I'm saying? So like, uh, you know, there's um, there's a, I can tell you the artists that are on that song are like, it's varied from. Uh, Billy Holiday, like I said, mm. Stevie Wonder, um, Radiohead, um, Radiohead, Dick Van Dyke, <laughs> Dick Van Dyke, <laughs> um, uh, uh, Diana Ross. Uh, who else is on there? Um, anybody? Even uh, Gene Wilder uh, uh, singing the uh, the uh, the Willy Wonka song. Yeah, you know, that kills me. Uh, p- p- pure imagination. Yeah, um, that kills me. I love that song. I love that song so much. It kills me. Enough. You know what kills me? The little end little tune of Pee Wee's Playhouse when he gets on the bike. Oh, yeah. And he goes into space. Yeah, yeah. It kills me every time. And I was trying to explain it to the supernatural bear. And he's like, why? And then now it makes him sad. So he's right. been watching it since he was little. And he, he wasn't would, sad before. <laughs> and it, it I told him from jump, like as soon as I, we watched it, because I introduced it to him when he was really little. And I was like, this used to be my favorite. And I was like, He's like, why were you, why did it make you sad? And I was like, I go, you get to watch all these whenever you want, and pause and skip. And I go, we only get had to do it. <laughs> we had it, it on the weekend over. one day, and it'll be the end of something I really love to watch on TV. And it would make me sad. Like, you know what I mean? I don't know. Right, so right. it still gets me. And I listen to it, I'm like, mm. <laughs> it makes me sad. It yeah. makes me want to cry. Prince um, is on that list too. Prince, um, of course. But you know. But when couple I want to hear times, some, a couple of tracks. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh yeah. I'm not gonna say what they are, but you know they are what they are. But I'm like gonna, when I, I can uh, guess, I can guess. Yeah, you can guess. And then uh, you know, there's um, when it just comes to just like, I do listen to a lot of stuff, but uh, Wu Tang is always on the top of my list. Um, you know, the older stuff, of course, and I kind of like gravitate towards um, uh, uh, Liquid Swords and. Mm. Uh, uh, the ODB album, the thirty six, the return of the thirty six chambers, and um, songs from the Wu Tang Forever, and uh, of course, uh, only built for Cuban links. That whole album, I'll just put on over and over and over again. <laughs> uh, and there's certain tracks on there that are just like <laughs> the best shit ever. What about any current? This is what I keep forgetting to ask yeah, yeah, yeah. my hip hop heads so, on here. What are what are some current shit that you're really into? Uh, I like I've been listening to uh, 
Leon Bridges. Mm-hmm. You know this cat, Leon Bridges, uh, that Texas Sun record. Yeah, Le- uh, Leon Bridges uh, with Carumba. Carumba. Yeah, I've always fucked up the I think name. It's but cr- yeah. I, I think it's Cranbang or something. Cr- yeah, something like that. They're amazing. I saw them live. I saw them live at this one uh, October something days, out, desert days out here. And then they performed live with Wu-Tang at the same. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And you can see the YouTube uh, video of it. It's pretty, they're pretty amazing. They're pretty dope. So I, I always was wondering, and I haven't done a deep dive. I wanted to find out because they're all from Texas. Who connected Crombin, Crombin with Leon Bridges, because that's right. an amazing sound. Apparently, there's a, um, I guess there's a whole scene there, right, in Houston, um, of that, what do they call it? There's a, there's a home, my homegirl was telling me the other day what they call that. It was like, new something soul or some shit. I forget Love what it. they were calling it. But it's, it's, all, it's not just them. It's a whole bunch of acts down there that are, have not all broke. So I'm... I'm just now getting into that stuff. Uh, yeah. I saw the Delvon Lamar uh, organ trio. My first live show was on Sunday uh, that a friend uh, gave me a ticket to. I'm not um, to look them up. Uh, and what else? So uh, as far as rap, new rappers. <laughs> Let me tell you about these new rappers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, they cool, but I don't. <laughs> I don't think they speaking to me. Yeah, you know, and I listen. Um, and I'm fine with that. By the way, I'm cool with that. They're not speaking to me directly. Um, the rappers that were speaking to me directly, um, sometimes still speak to me and or stop speaking altogether. I'm cool yeah. with that. Um, as long as it keeps moving, I think there is a. a you know, there's Anderson Pack or, you know, all these type of cats that are pretty dope, man. And I hear them. I don't go out of my way to like, gotta get that new album and bump that shit like crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think there's, uh, I'm not completely connected with it. But once in a while, I do listen to, you know, I listen. It's so weird that there's oldie rap stations and shit. <laughs> I know, it's like our shit, all our shit. Like, yeah, oh, like, shit. All our shit. So, uh, you know, we live in a world where you don't have to. It sucks that you like. <laughs> I know. But like it's like, listen, old nigga, we got some old <laughs> old raps. Don't go to the other station because you could you you might find out you conservative. <laughs> the extreme. So listen to this song called "Big Booty Hoes." You, <laughs> you prude. Which is a classic. Which <laughs> this is, a, is classic. a classic. Classic. Oh, I think about old ass motherfuckers when they're like eighty years old. Listen to "Big Booty Hoes." Like this I is know. my jam. I know. That I got turned at the club with your father, grandfather. Exactly. I was just thinking about that the other day. Like, we're that generation, especially like me and uh, my rib, Erin. She's from she's from San Francisco. And we'll be, I was like, we're going to be 90 years old talking about bitches ain't shit, but hoes and tricks. Hoes and tricks. <laughs> <laughs> Which would be horrific for that to come out now. But that came out. Back in the days, and we were women, but we loved that shit. Do you know what man, I'm saying? Big booty hoes. Let me just that say, man. Shit. Some of the the highlight of my career has been making stuff for too short. 
I bet. <laughs> and I it's mean, slightly yes. problematic, but also like, I man, it's it's so much a part of my East Oakland heritage. Yes. That is kind of hard for me. And so I was honored that I was able to make stuff for that cat and be involved. Maybe. I even made some designs for merch for him that they put out just to just to do it, bro, because it's fucking too short. It's yeah. Come on. King. But you know what? He was known as the king of the dirty rapper. It's like you couldn't um be mad at Red Fox right now for being Red Fox. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. he says, yeah. like that's another thing. Like nowadays, I think, you know, these these white dudes, and some black dudes, just dudes in general are like always talking about getting canceled or whatever. But I guarantee you there's some filthy, dirty comedians saying filthy, dirty shit. They're just not being assholes about exactly. it. Exactly. Exactly. Know? There's a way. And, to, they, yeah. and they probably don't have a podcast pretending like they are an authority on something and then <laughs> exactly. getting mad when somebody treats them like the thing that they are pretending to be. Exactly. Like a person that needs to be held accountable. Held accountable. That's all it is, is accountability, really. Right. Yeah, that's all it is. That's all it is. Okay, final question is, what will be your legacy? (sighs) I think about this. I think about this shit a lot. What is my legacy? Like, what is the thing? Like, if I stop today, would I be satisfied with what I'm known for? Um, Probably not. You could never be satisfied, I suppose. But um, I feel like I was a pioneer, being one of the first first folks to do this thing that has conventions now, toys and all this shit, um, the way I did it. Um, yeah. I think that reputation is probably bigger than legacy. Um, so I feel like my work speaks for itself and my reputation as a stand-up person, that's probably the thing. Yeah. And then whatever, you know, we put in our children is all I can say. Uh, I'm not looking for people to build monuments about me, no dumb shit like that. So I hope that when people think about me when I'm gone, that uh, they just smile and are, <laughs> have a pleasant memory about me. That's yeah. it. Nice. So what is up next for Roy mm. Miles, a.k.a. Ghetto Geppetto? What is on the uh, pipeline? I've been working on a lot of stuff. I've been um, pushing towards uh, a YouTube channel and making content there. Uh, over the pandemic, uh, I just did a ton of experiments with my characters and the puppets and stuff like that since I was sitting in here by myself. Yeah. So I did a lot of like teaching myself how to film myself uh, and act on camera with the puppets and then uh, composite multiple characters together. And, um, oh. You know, so a lot of that stuff, all the stuff you see on Instagram right now are experiments that I did, and they were all me by myself in a room. Um, and so some things are a little challenging, but uh, that's part of the fun. So we'll be launching the, the YouTube channels up now. I'm asking people to subscribe. To and this is the reason why you have to subscribe. It's, this is an ego-driven thing. I don't want my... YouTube channel to have a, a, a generic link. I wanted to say YouTube backslash Hoodland, uh, but it won't do that until I get the proper amount of subscribers. So you good people out there, let's do hit the it. button, and then I'll add more content. I'm not going to add it. more content until I can tell people exactly where to go 
in a succinct, well-designed manner. Let's do it. Let's help them get those numbers. Yeah, don't be a Let's chump. Let's make it happen. Um, <laughs> and then before before we wrap it up, I do have one more question. What are your thoughts on all this puppet resurgence coming up? Mm-hmm. Do you feel how just how do you feel about it in general? I feel like puppets are great. Uh, uh, the art form is amazing and should be respected. Um, it's tough as hell. I've known puppeteers for many decades now, and I've wanted to get into it, but I'm sort of afraid to do it. Uh, I started building my puppet hood foot back there back in uh, 2014. Uh, and I didn't see a lot of folks involved in that then. Yeah. Um, my vision is not puppets entirely. Yeah. You know, as you see it with the mascots and the animation, it's all, I present these characters in whatever fashion I think is appropriate at that particular moment for the funny, haha. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if folks are doing it, I think that's cool for them. Do your thing. I got a lot of cats hitting me up about making puppets for them bringing my puppets to them, collaborating with me for the puppets. Um, I'm like, nigga, it's a pandemic, but okay. (laughs) First and foremost. (laughs) First and foremost, (laughs) what are you doing? Um, And so, yeah. Hey, man, I got to just, you know, the real shit is like, I was a pioneer in the toy game and I'm a mm-hmm. pioneer in the puppet game. Yeah, that's real. <laughs> that's real. And I, I do notice a lot of times I do stuff and it may not have a, uh, it may not hit like a, like, like a, a, a lightning bolt, but it hits like a, a series of little earthquakes mm. and people start to feel that shit. Uh, the aftermath. And so a lot of folks get inspired. I see a lot of folks doing stuff. Um, If you saw the amount of people that hit me up or even contact me about this stuff, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. Um, Especially after design con with the, once the mascots came out. Yeah, that was dope. People really started coming at me with other stuff. Some people want to fight. I almost got in a physical fight with some pretty, it was some weird shit, bro. People are weird (laughs) as fuck. Somebody very famous that you know (laughs) wanted to to fight me because of my mascots at Designer Con. That's odd. It's awesome because, (laughs) (laughs) you know, when I came out with the biddies, I had a similar experience that somebody we all know wanted to physically fight me because of the biddies. (laughs) I was like, you mad at this? That's so funny. Bro, like I'm. Like I say, I want to make people happy, but there's a hip hop part of me that do want people to to feel it and make balls and hurt themselves because of me. Like, this nigga. Hilarious. How dare he do that? (laughs) (laughs) You know you're doing it right if somebody wants to fight you for it. You got to have, you got to have, like, like, uh, Cat Williams said, right? You got to have as many haters, the more haters you know that you're being successful. Um, and also, none of these cats want smoke. Not for me. <laughs> I give out two type of hugs. <laughs> <laughs> 
One of them is like this, and one of them's like that. <laughs> a chokehold and a hug. hug. Um, you're gonna go Mimi's. You're gonna go Mimi's. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're like night night. Um, night night. But you know, when I think of you, I don't think of you. I, I don't automatically think of you as puppets, though. I know that mm-hmm. you have done that. You know, but I think of you as mascots and characters. You know, the shows, the characters that you know. Yeah, yeah, that's what I want to be known for. Yeah, like the nice puppets are, are are dope and they're they're cool. And I'm I got more cup puppets coming and I got more stuff happening with them. But yeah, um, like I said in the beginning, it's just to tell a story. And yeah, um, yeah. um yeah, man. Uh I, I think it's cool, man. Do your thing. Everybody do their thing. Everybody yeah. do their thing. And yeah. then when I come with more stuff, you hit that button. Yeah. I support a lot. I love everybody. Everybody do their thing. Just don't try to fight me. <laughs> don't don't get put memes with that hug. Don't get put memes. Don't unless you got your pajamas on. Don't come fucking with me. <laughs> well, Roy Miles, aka Ghetto Tepero, muchísimas gracias for coming on Word to Your Mama. Thank you, thank you so much. I appreciate you so much. You the best, as You're they the say. Best. You're the best. You the, <laughs> You're best. the best. You the best. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, her foot. Guess what? Uh, that weird rash came back. No, no. <laughs> Do you know where people can get shirts and other merchandise with your likeness on it? Bro, I don't know your mama. <laughs> nah, bro. Fuzzy, do you know? Yo, bro, I don't know what you're talking about, fam. It's GhettoGeppetto.com. All right, all right. That's G-H-E-T-T-O-G-E-P-P-E-T-T-O.com. Oh, that's tight. That's clean, bro. Do I get paid for this? Bruh. I know you better not have me on that site. I ain't give you no permission. Nobody asked you, player. You don't have to ask. I'm telling you, I don't give a damn. Go to GhettoGeppetto.com and get your Ghetto Geppetto stuff because you love Ghetto Geppetto. That's right, GhettoGeppetto.com. Peace. No. Go buy some shit. And now, introducing the Supernatural Bear Corner. Supernatural Bear. 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 Old oil is not my favorite. It smells bad and it's really dirty. Episode 37 in the bag. Roy Miles, a.k.a. the Ghetto Geppetto. How cute was that promo he sent in? Super cute. Um, Also, he's like, you know, born and raised in Oakley. Keeps it Oakland all the time. And I love that stuff. A la um, evidence, um, exhibit A's and B's. Like Ryan Coogler. Like he is at the top of his game. And when he first started, never code switched right and then recently after watching falcon and the winter soldier aka captain america and the winter soldier i was on uh watching fat man beyond 
And Mark Spellman, who was the, the writer that put it all together, from Oakland. And let me tell you, in this interview, he kept it. Oakland. He kept it 100% 1,000. And I love him. So this is along the same lines. And it was good times. And like I said earlier, it was great to have this interview. You know, we see each other here and there at some of the cons, but to actually break bread and, and make that connection be with other artists as well. And then introduce where maybe they've never, a couple of them never broke, you know, been together outside of seeing each other at cons. I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a connector. I like to connect people. It's one of my favorite things to do. And uh, it was done. It was good. And then Supernatural Bear, you know, he goes in the room for a little bit, comes out, and he, he you know, has multi-track scratch project with the visuals. <laughs> I love my little man, Supernatural Bear, full effect. Uh, in his Weird Al Yankovic phase. I think his Uncle Mr. D would be very proud. Anyways, thanks again. Thanks for the support. Let's keep it moving. Let's keep it going. Tell your peeps. Tell your friends. There's so many different ways to support. Tell everybody. Uh, leave a review. Donate. Buy something. We're gonna have some more. We're gonna restock the store with some some stuff pretty soon. As soon as I you know get a hold of get a handle on it. And um, once again, we reap. Word to your mama is owned and produced by Ritsy P. Intro beat produced by Nico Beats. If you want to know more, you want to email us, you want to get the media kit, go head over to wordtoyourmama.com. Word to Your Mama is now part of the Latina Podcasters Network. And as always, Word to Your Mama is brought to you by ritzperrowinkle.com.